Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537 is the voicemail line. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com is the email address. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Ratchet Book Club, and you can leave a review on Podchaser, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Best part about leaving a review on Podchaser is that you can leave a review for the show as a whole, as well as for separate episodes, uh, which I appreciate. <clears throat> this shit is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Uh, this is just, I mean, it's, let's see, we are on chapter 21. And so I think that we have hit the part where they are just... Yeah, barreling towards the end story. Uh, there's 24 chapters in the book. Uh, but still, like I said, that last... How they brought Mecca into it and how they brought it all together was just fucking ridiculous. Which is the song by Kanye West and Jay-Z and the RZA, by the way. Fucking ridiculous. That's all the RZA says in the song. Fucking ridiculous. Um, but this is that. Like, the way that that all came together with Fabian and all that kind of stuff. And I know we're never going to see Fabian again. I knew we were going to see him again, but to see him like that, I was just like... Really, though? But I don't write the books. I just read them. So, chapter 21. I am Miami, nigga. Mecca. Zaire... Oh, God damn it. Zaire, Breeze mumbled as she held both of her legs open for him, giving Zaire a clear pathway to her clitoris. The sand on her back and the waves washing up on the shore heightened Breeze's first sexual encounter. She had never felt the type of pleasure she was experiencing at that moment, staring into the stars and moaning constantly. It was around midnight that Zaire convinced Breeze to sneak out and talk with him. And what started off as a conversation ended up becoming a night of passion. Breeze had masturbated plenty of times, but she was a virgin to a man's touch. Zaire operated on her love box like a skilled surgeon would on a patient on the sands at a small, secluded beach just five miles away from the Diamond Estate. She moaned loudly as she gripped his head tightly and moved her buttocks in a circular motion, gyrating in his face. She was a virgin to a man's touch, and he's surgical with his hands, and I don't know. Personally, I don't, I don't, 
I don't know. I don't know. The scenes between Mia Moore and, and Carter are like different than this. It, 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 maybe it's cause I'm so fucking old. I think that's it. And I know that they say 19's an adult and 18's an adult, but I know how old this kid is in this book. And you see, by the way, I'm calling her a kid that this just feels icky. Anyways, Zaire arose from Breeze's warmth and looked into her green eyes. Never had he seen a woman so pure, so beautiful. You know what? I'm going to read it like this. I am. You are very special, Ma, he said in a low tone. I want to be inside you. He let his rock-hard pole exit his boxers. Breeze's body squirmed as she was soaked with her own juices. She gently grabbed Zaire's face, and they began to kiss passionately. As Zaire attempted to enter Breeze's tight virgin wound, what the fuck? What? She grabbed him by the shoulders, stopping him. Zaire, you got a condom on? She asked. Damn, Zaire thought as his world came crumbling down. He wanted to feel her virgin walls without any latex. How fucking selfish are you? Like your first time you want to possibly get this girl pregnant. You want to possibly give her an STD. You want to possibly do all these things because you want to feel her tight virgin walls without... Neither here nor there. That was a dope boy's dream and she was ruining it for him. Come on, Ma. I want you so bad right now. Zaire rubbed his tip against her clitoris, trying to persuade her to finish what they had already started. No, Zaire. No glove, no love. Let's just run to that 7-Eleven around the way. Breeze moved his pole and set up. This is where they're about to get kidnapped. Zaire took a deep breath and gave in. All right, let's go. You drive a hard bargain, Ma, Zaire said. As a matter of fact, I bet you Zaire gets shot and killed. They both broke into laughter and put their clothes back on. Zaire pushed his black-tinted bins through the Miami streets like a madman. He was anxious to feel the inside of Breeze Diamond. As they approached the store, he swerved into the parking lot, almost hitting another car. I'll be right back, he said as he threw the car in park and jumped out. His manhood was erect and pulsating, showing in his baggy jeans. He walked into the store and headed straight to the front counter and grabbed a three-pack of Magnum condoms. I just... In hindsight, because I, too, purchased Magnum condoms, I just wonder if they made Magnum condoms quite simply to... Talk to the egos of men who couldn't use Magnum condoms. Or could use a different condom, but chose to use Magnum condoms. Because I could fit a Magnum condom, but at the same time, I've seen somebody put their entire arm inside of a regular condom. So do I need a Magnum condom? No. But when I pulled out that gold, that gold pouch, you know, and, 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 and flashed it in front of folks like it was a black American Express card, I thought that, that was really proving my worth. Just things I think about. 
Let me get this in a box of lemon heads, he said as he tossed them on the counter to the pimple-faced Asian clerk. That's when the bell rang, indicating someone was entering the store. Zaire's eyes immediately shot towards the door, and he saw a beautiful woman walk through. He didn't want to stare, but the Daisy Duke shorts she was wearing, not to mention her pumps, demanded his undivided attention. His soldier stood even straighter in his jeans as she strutted behind him to get in line. Looks like something's happy to see me, she said in a thick accent. Hi, Aries. Zaire looked down and saw his rod pitching a tent in his pants. He smiled as he looked back up at the girl, but he got a big surprise. A twenty-two semi-automatic pistol was pointed at his head. Get your bitch-ass hands up, Aries said as she gripped the gun. She looked over at the clerk, who looked like he shitted on himself. And turn your Jackie Chan ass around before I smoke you. Really? Jackie Chan, that's the best we can do here? Gonna be... Okay. So he's a young clerk. But you're saying he looks like Jackie Chan? Or you're just saying that because you're racist and he's Asian? Is that the best thing you could come up with? Like... Aries has given no... I mean, Aries hasn't been built to seem like she's a racist. I mean, we didn't know Robin was a fucking homophobe until it was too late. So I, I guess this is par for the course. Suppose. Instantly, the clerk put his hands up and turned around as ordered. Zaire kicked himself for not having his gun on him. He was so worried about pussy, he didn't even think to grab his gun out of his glove compartment before getting out the car. He glanced out of the store's front glass window and saw a woman stuffing Breeze into the trunk of a Dodge Charger. He immediately yelled, Damn! while keeping both of his hands up. He knew that the Haitians had sent for her and watched the girl walk backwards towards the door, the gun still pointed at him. Once she exited the door, she lowered her weapon, jumped into the Dodge, and they screeched off. Zaire quickly ran out and went to his car, but he noticed that all four tires had been slashed. Shit, he yelled as he rushed to the passenger side and grabbed his gun out of the glove box. He ran to the middle of the street, busting his gun wildly, trying to hit their tires, but they were too far away. Zaire dropped to his knees in the middle of the street with both hands on his head. He failed to protect Breeze, and guilt consumed him. He screamed, No! Matisse smiled as he peeked through the safe house's blind and saw the Dodge Charger pull in. He knew that their payday was soon to come, and the thought of his murdered daughter came into play. He promised himself he would make the cartel family feel the same pain that he had just experienced. What did... His, they murdered his daughter? When did... What? So did Estes murder his daughter? I mean, I know that they said that they shut down his organization and took all his money, but they didn't say anything about killing his daughter. Like, I, I, I guess Estes didn't have a code. I know Carter said that he had a code. I don't know if Diamond or whatever Carter would have had a, a code, like the one who got murdered, not young Carter, but, um, damn, that's messed up. She was only like, Seven. She was still calling him data. 
He promised himself that he would make the cartel family feel the same pain that he had just experienced. Aries and Robin had been tailing Breeze and Zaire for days and were waiting for the right moment to put their plan into play. They noticed that they were getting careless, and Mati wanted to pounce on the opportunity. As the girls brought Breeze, a pillowcase covering her head, Mati sinisterly smiled. I mean, Zaire has to be murdered for this, right? Like, Carter has to kill Zaire for putting his sister in this situation, right? Like, your entire job was to watch over her. Not... Okay, even if y'all fall in love, cool, whatever. But you're the one who put her in danger by telling her to sneak out the house at midnight and take her to some secluded beach. You did that, Zaire, and for that, if you don't get shot, I'm going to be very, very surprised. But because he's like a father to him, he'll probably just, he better shoot him. Mati was in dire need of money since Essis's goons had robbed all of his safes and took all of his drugs. He had nothing left. Not even one of his former workers made it. They were all dead. He was lucky he wasn't at the house when they ambushed him. Actually, he wished he was, so he could have died with his baby's mother and his only child. Mati instructed the girls to take her to the back room, where only a mattress on the floor occupied the room. When they got to the room, Robin aggressively tossed Breeze onto the floor by the mattress and locked the door shut. Breeze had duct tape across her mouth under the pillowcase, so she was unable to scream. Her arms were also duct taped behind her back. Fear took over Breeze's body as she cried and used her legs to scramble to the corner. Oh my God, they're going to kill me, she thought as she tried her hardest to escape from the duct tape. Breeze was unlike the other members in her family and hadn't been exposed to the drugs or hand-on violence. Not built for a situation like this, panic overwhelmed her. She heard somebody come in the door, and that's when her nerves got the best of her. And she vomited. The tape caused the vomit to stay in her mouth, choking her. I can't breathe. I can't breathe, she thought as she choked on herself. Suddenly, she felt a strong hand snatch the pillowcase from her head and then the duct tape. Her throat flowed out of her mouth as she began to cough harshly. Matisse stared at Breeze and was amazed on how beautiful she was. He was in total awe of her. Her silky black hair and olive skin tone was marvelous in Matisse's eyes. Too bad I had to kill she, he thought as he paced the room, staring at her. After Breeze caught her breath, she looked up at Mati. What do you want from me? she yelled. I want revenge, Mati said through his clenched teeth. When Breeze heard the accent and saw Mati's dreadlocks, she knew who he was. At that point, she knew her life was on a countdown. She began to cry her eyes out. Mati just stared at her as if she was a work of art. No remorse in his heart. He walked out of the room and couldn't wait until he could get the fiasco over with so he could return to his homeland where he would stay for good. Taryn was on the floor praying and crying, a scene that was becoming too familiar. She had been through more than any woman could handle in the past year. Carter pounded his fist against the wall as Zaire, 
Ace, Polo, and Mecca stood in the diamond kitchen. Fuck! He yelled as he read the ransom note that was left on the doorstep the previous night. They had been out all night looking for Breeze after Zaire rushed and told everyone what had happened. Leaving out the part about them about to have sex. Good, good call. Good call. He told them that she wanted to go on a midnight stroll to clear her head and he forgot to bring his gun. Zaire was dying inside from the guilt. I'ma kill that nigga. Mecca roared as tears fell down his cheek. He looked at Zaire, who was across the counter from him, with deadly eyes, not comfortable with the fact that he was with her when she got grabbed and didn't protect her. And your bitch ass is probably working for the dreads. Mecca made his way around the counter to put his hands on Zaire. Zaire smoothly slid his hand down to his pistol. He had already told himself that he would put a hollow tip through Mecca's forehead if he ran up on him. Carter quickly put his hand on Mecca's chest and almost in a whisper said, Mecca, you don't want to do that. Carter knew his younger would not hesitate to rock Mecca to sleep if he ran up. He had taught Zaire himself to shoot first, ask questions last. Mecca stopped dead in his tracks and looked Carter directly in the eye. Carter prepared for Mecca to spaz out, but he did the complete opposite. Then there was a brief moment of silence before Mecca broke down in tears and lost his balance, falling into Carter's arms. Carter embraced his half-brother. It's okay, fam. We gonna get her back, he tried to assure him, even though he didn't know that for a fact. They want a million. We have to give it to them. Polo shook his head, knowing that his goddaughter was somewhere suffering. Yeah, I'll go to the safe deposit box now, Carter affirmed. Nah, fuck that. Mecca straightened up and wiped his teary eyes. I'ma beat whoever picks up the money until he tell me where Breeze is at. I'm tired of motherfuckers underestimating our family. We still strong. We still run Miami. I am Miami, nigga. No, Mecca. We have to give them what they want if we want to see Breeze again. Polo looked at the note that told them the time for the drop-off in the location. He's right, bruh. We have to play their game and see if they give her up first. But you have to stay level-headed and chill with that wild shit. You have to think and play chess with that Haitian motherfucker. If we outthink him, we'll always win, trust me. Carter said, sounding just like his father. Mecca could do nothing but respect it. He just wanted his sister back. Zaire and Carter sat in his Range Rover and waited for the man that was supposed to pick up the ransom money to arrive. They were behind a closed-down steel factory and seemed to be alone, but that wasn't the case. Carter had arranged for his goons to circle the building. An ace and polo were on top of the factory with telescoped semi-automatic rifles to make sure everything ran smooth. Carter's plan was to do the switch and have one of his henchmen tell the money, hoping that it would lead them to Breeze. He decided to make Mecca stay home with Taryn. He told him that his mother needed him, but the reality was Carter didn't want Mecca to do anything hot-headed and stupid. Yo, you ready, Zaire? Carter pulled the duffel bag from the back seat. Yeah, I'm good, Zaire said without enthusiasm, still feeling badly for falling off the square. Carter could sense his ire was taking it hard because he knew Zaire loved to bust his gun and live for moments like this one. 
Listen, that could have happened to any one of us, youngin. We're going to get her back, though. Watch what I tell you, Carter said as he saw a tented Hummer pull up. He watched the man roll down the window, exposing himself. A dreadhead who didn't look a day over 16 years old appeared. He was dark as tar. Really, y'all? Come on. With wild, nappy dreadlocks all over his head. You got the money? He asked. He looked down into Carter's car. Where's Breeze, little nigga? Carter yelled as he gripped the gun that was placed on his left. You will get the girl after we get the money. After me make a call to me, boss. Feel me? Before Carter could even answer, he saw Mecca swiftly come out of nowhere on a motorcycle and pull up next to the driver. Before the young drag could even react, Mecca had him by the collar and put a shiny chrome 380 to his head. Where's my fucking sister, huh? He yelled while getting off his bike. Mecca pulled the boy out of the window and had him on the ground. What the fuck is this nigga doing? Carter said in frustration as he got out of the car. He rushed over to Mecca and screamed for him to fall back, but Mecca was zoned out. He only wanted to know where Breeze was at. I'm going to ask you one more time. Where is my sister? Mecca gripped the gun even tighter and dug it into the boy's neck. The boy remained silent. Mecca, tired of playing, pointed the gun at the boy's thigh and let off a round. Yeah! The boy yelled as he squirmed like a fish out of water. Where is she? Mecca yelled again. The young dread was full of loyalty and honor and he knew that if he told Mecca where the safe house was, he was going to die. He also knew that if he didn't, he was still going to die. So he did what would make Mati proud. He spat in Mecca's face. Blood splattered over Mecca's bottom half of his face. What? Didn't he shoot him in the leg? Did he pistol with this nigga? He put a shiny chrome 380 to his head, pulled him out the window, and had him on the ground. He didn't, he shot him in the leg. Why is he spitting blood in his face? But also, uh, blood splattered over Mecca's bottom half of his face. That's not good writing. That's not. Blood splattered over Mecca's, blood splattered over the bottom half of Mecca's face. That'll work, I guess. The young draft followed by these words. Bitch, she dead. True sister's dead, bitch. Me see you in hell. Mecca lost it. He put five bullets into the boy's head at close range, rocking him to sleep forever and sealing his own sister's fate. Carter screamed, No! See, Mecca doesn't really have any story to him beyond he's always angry like the fucking Hulk and shit. That's it. He's rich and he's always mad. And he's got guns. And he likes to use them. With reckless abandon. Robin and Aries had already packed up their things. Word got back that Matisse worker got killed. And they knew at that point that they had to kill Breeze. They were finished with Miami. Finished with Mia Moore. In their eyes, she had gone soft. Which was against their creed. As they boarded the plane, Aries asked Robin... You're ready to leave Miami for good. Wait, wasn't, I mean, Aries was understanding of Robin's, or of, of, of Mia Moore's relationship, though. Wasn't she? 
I don't know. Fuck Miami. L.A. is our next playground. They never saw bitches like us. Murder Mom is about to take over a new city. That's for damn sure. We can never eat in Miami. We done too much dirt here. It's time for us to go. Robin says they got on the plane, leaving Matisse to kill Breeze. They were leaving and never looking back. Matisse stared at Breeze with a shotgun in his hand. He hated that he had to kill someone so beautiful, but they didn't play the game fair. He was settled to score with the cartel forever. As Breeze cried and pleaded for her life, he blocked the remorse in his heart. He pointed the shotgun at her and whispered, Say goodnight. Chapter 22 You My Lady Forever Carter Jones Six Months Later A giant pr- and the six months later is what Carter Jones said. That's literally what it says. Like, 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 that's part of the quote, I guess, that Carter Jones is saying this six months later. Or possibly this is six months later and they just have it in really small font where they should have had it in bigger font above the actual book chapter. I don't know. We're going to see. We going to see. You, my lady forever, Carter Jones, six months later. A giant projector screen covered the back wall as old home videos of Breeze as a little girl played. While people held wine glasses and mingled amongst each other. And the ballroom was decorated with balloons of Breeze's favorite colors. Turquoise and cream. A live band serenaded the small crowd and created a soothing ambiance. Of course, Taryn, personal friends of the family, and the new cartel were in attendance. One hour before, they had held a memorial service in honor of Breeze's life. They had all put personal notes and gifts from Breeze in the casket before it was buried. Mecca didn't even show up. In fact, no one had seen him since the day they were supposed to drop off the ransom money for Breeze. And he hadn't surfaced since. After hearing the man say that his sister was dead, something inside him snapped. Terrence sat at the front table along with Carter, Mia Moore, and Polo, trying her best to keep from breaking down and crying. Carter noticed her agony and placed his hand on top of hers and gently gave it a squeeze. He leaned over and whispered to Taryn, Are you sure that you can do this? Wait, so is this six months later? Like, did they, did he, Matisse killed her immediately, so this can't be six months later. So yeah, this all, that was part of the quote. A tear slid down Taryn's face as she returned the squeeze and looked into Carter's eyes. She was grateful for his presence. Even though he was her husband's illegitimate child, she loved him for being there in such trying times. She had planned a celebration for Breeze after grasping the fact that her only daughter was dead. Taryn waited every day for Breeze to walk through her front door. False hopes and worry were driving her insane. It hurt her every day, knowing that Breeze's body was somewhere in a river or rotting somewhere. Oh, she alive. Never mind. As a matter of fact, it took months before Taryn was willing to accept Breeze's fate. Six months later. There it is. And for the family to come to the realization that the youngest member of the Diamond family wasn't coming home. Taryn had lost a husband, a son, and now a daughter to drug wars and revenge. No, she lost a husband to drug wars. She lost a son because he was cheating on. She was he was cheating 
with his brother's girlfriend and the daughter still alive. So one out of three. She was done. She had decided to move west with Polo to start a new life. See? See? Told you. Polo planned all this shit. This is all Polo's fault. She hadn't seen Mecca, her only living son, since everything had gone down, which was months ago, and she missed him tremendously. She knew it was time to leave Miami for good. Yes, I'm sure. I can't have any more funerals. I'm tired of burying the people I love. That's why I want to celebrate Breeze's life, she said as she broke down crying. She looked at the video of her husband pushing a five-year-old Breeze. She would trade anything to go back to that time. I understand. Carter nodded his head slowly. He looked at the video along with her and felt the pain of losing Breeze. He felt like he was partially to blame for her getting kidnapped. He looked across the room and noticed Zaire in the middle, being very solitary and observant. Carter could tell Zaire was taking it hard also and wondered why he was feeling so much grief when he barely knew Breeze. Little did Carter know that Zaire knew Breeze very well and was the last one to be with her before she was abducted. Zaire felt so guilty and felt it was his fault that Breeze was dead. He had never told Carter that he was about to have sex with her and left her side to pick up condoms, which is how she got kidnapped. Carter looked over at Mia Moore, who sat beside him, and leaned over to kiss her on the cheek. Hey baby, I have something very important to tell you later on, he grinned slightly. Mia Moore smiled back and nodded her head. She couldn't help but feel guilty at the celebration. She was sitting in the midst of Breeze's family when she knew her two best friends were responsible for the murder. She hadn't talked to Robin and Aries in months, and the only thing she knew was that they had moved west, and to her knowledge, they were still up to their same ways. I can't wait for this shit to be over, she thought as she tried her best not to look at the projection on the wall. She was itching to see Mecca as she scanned the room. No one knew where he was. She was ready to leave her past life alone and spend the rest of her life with Carter, but not before she got even with Mecca. That was one itch she just had to scratch. So you were willing to... You lost your friends because you weren't willing to kill Mecca, but now that your friends are gone, you really want to kill Mecca. I mean, wait, what? You told your friends you weren't going to kill Mecca and that you're sorry, but, you know, they had to understand where you were coming from, but now you want to kill Mecca? Okay. She couldn't let go of the fact that he had taken her sister from her. Revenge was still fresh in her heart, and she wanted him dead. Excuse me, ladies. Carter stood up so he can go and talk to Ace, who was standing guard by the door, making sure only invited guests entered. Carter approached Ace and slapped hands with him. Yo, what's good? How you holding up? Ace asked. I'm good. Just can't wait till this shit is over. I can't look at Breeze's pictures without wanting to break down, feel me? Carter shook his head from side to side. Yeah, it was fucked up how everything went down. Zaire taking the shit hard too. I think he was feeling shorty, Ace said, talking too much. Is that right? Carter didn't like what he had heard, but he didn't want to ask Zaire about it. Not now, at least. Yo, 
How's that money in Liberty City? Did they come to see you yet? He asked, referring to Liberty City's hustlers. He wanted to know if they had re-upped yet. Yeah, they got ten yesterday. Them overtown niggas, they copping heavy too. We gonna need another shipment in soon. Carter began to rub his hands together and nodded slowly, knowing the ace was talking big money. Ever since Carter had put his coke on the streets, he had been making a killing. He saw more money in six months in Miami than he had seen in his entire life back home. Carter had expanded his operation outside of Florida, hitting major cities like Atlanta, Houston, and New Orleans as well, and labeled his organization the New Cartel. The New Cartel was run completely different from the cartel. Carter recruited young hungry cats from all over Dade County and pushed out the old heads. He had a clique of goons trying to make a name for themselves, which made them ruthless. Miami was definitely treating him good. Cool. I'll put in the order later this week. The way shit going, we're going to be able to retire in a couple months, feel me? Carter said. No doubt, Ace added. Carter walked over to Zaire, who seemed like he was in a daze. He had to nudge him to snap him out of his mental hiatus. Zaire, you good? Yeah, I'm okay. Just got a lot of shit on my mind. We all do right now. You holding down them blocks I gave you, right? Yeah, everything's gravy. But your man been acting kind of funny lately. I don't know what's up with the nigga. Who you talking about? Ace? Yeah. He be taking all day when I call him so I can re-up. My youngins be running through that shit. So when he takes all day to call me back, we losing money. He never picks up my call. Shit gets frustrating, you feel me? Nigga acting like a fad or something. Zaire stated seriously as he ice-grilled Ace. Although he and Ace lived together, Zaire noticed a lot of things that didn't sit right with him. Since being in Miami, Ace had changed, and it definitely wasn't for the better. I'll talk to him about it. Don't worry about Ace. I've known him since we were in the sandbox, fam. He ain't no motherfucking fat. Believe that. I bet you he is a fat. Like, he was fucking the nigga over. He was fucking a woman in his house in the old spot. So you can already tell that he's shysty. Like, he, he ain't to be trusted. Carter smiled, admiring Zaire's boldness. He reminded Carter of himself at his age. Zaire was only 18, but moved through life like it was a big chess game. That nigga don't trust nobody. Carter felt a hand on his back. It was Mia Moore. Hey, can I have this dance? She asked sexily as the reggae band began to play a number. Carter smiled as he took Mia Moore's hand and slowly began to dance with her. He pulled her slowly to him, and the delightful scent of her perfume made him smile. Though the mood in the dance hall was sad, Carter planned to brighten it up later that night by asking Mia Moore to marry him. You my lady forever, Carter whispered in Mia Moore's ear as he smoothly spun her around. I love this one with all my heart, and I want her to be my wife. He closed his eyes and swayed back and forth to a rendition of Bob Marley's No Woman, No Cry. Mecca's going to show back up at this. Air her out. She's going to shoot Mecca. Blah, blah, blah. 
Mia Moore closed her eyes and enjoyed her man's embrace, swaying back and forth with him as she rested her head on his chest. I love this song, she whispered, snapping her fingers that rested on Carter's upper back. Just as Mia Moore opened her eyes, her heart nearly skipped a beat as she saw the crazed eyes of Mecca staring at her from across the room. The way he was looking at her would have sent chills through the toughest man's body. She regained her composure and stopped dancing. Carter felt her body tense up. What's wrong? Your brother just walked in, Mia Moore said, trying not to seem startled. She immediately thought about her deceased sister and instantly wanted to get at Mecca. When the time is right, when the time is right, she repeated in her head as she imagined herself putting a hole through Mecca's neck. Mecca viewed the whole room. He rubbed his neatly cut hair, trying to get used to not having his natural long flowing mane. He had been dead to the world for six long months for three reasons. To stay away from Estes to grieve his sister's death, and also to plot. He walked in and noticed that all eyes were on him. He ignored the staring and made his way to his mother, who was so busy sobbing into a handkerchief at the front table, she didn't see her son approaching. Hello, Mama, he said as he stood before her. She didn't respond, so he reached over the table to try and hug and comfort her. It's okay, Mama. I'm here now, Mecca said in a soft voice. The guilt of killing the man that picked up the ransom for Breeze burdened him. Every day he regretted that he let his anger get the better of him. Taryn looked up and saw that her baby boy was holding her. She hugged him tightly and placed her hands on his cheeks. Baby, I was worried about you. I didn't know where you were, she said as she hugged him again tightly, squeezing him as if he might disappear before her eyes. I know. I know, but I'm home now, Mama, and I'm not going nowhere, Mecca assured his mother as he rubbed her back. Mecca then looked over at Carter and Mia Moore and decided to go have a chat with Carter. He wanted to tell him about his woman. He was ready to put Mia Moore on blast. He knew that Carter didn't know who she really was. During his brief absence, he began to do research on the murder mamas and confirmed that they were allies with Mati. Fabian had known a lot of people that the murder mamas had done jobs for. That immediately threw up a red flag with Mecca. Mia Moore was a cold-blooded killer, and he knew she had an ulterior motive with Carter, who was sleeping with the enemy. Mecca poured a glass of wine and headed across the room to talk to Carter. Carter continued to dance with Mia Moore, but he knew that her mood had suddenly changed since Mecca entered the building. Is everything all right? He asked, concerned and confused. Yeah, I'm good. Just got a light headache, that's all. Mia Moore responded distractedly. As soon as she finished her sentence, Mecca came over with a wine glass in his hand. He came over with a smile and greeted his half-brother with a light hug. What's up, bro? Mecca yelled. What's good, Mecca? Glad to you could make it. What? I think they left C out of there. I think that's what happened. Glad to see you can make it, Carter answered. Mecca looked at Mia Moore and put on a fake smile. Hello. It's Mia Moore, right? Yes, it is. Hello to you, she answered coldly as she stared into his eyes.
Mecca quickly picked up Mia Moore's hand and kissed it like a gentleman would do. He then gave her the glass of wine and said, May I borrow your fellow for a minute? We have to discuss business. Sure. Mia Moore grabbed the wine and walked over to talk to Taryn. Her blood boiled as she itched to kill Mecca. She had to just wait for the perfect time to do it. He's going to get his, she thought as she sat next to Taryn to comfort her. Wait, so you're plotting on killing this dude while going over to his mom to comfort her. Like, can I talk business with your man? Yeah, sure. I hate that nigga. Goes to sit down next to his mom and comfort her and probably tell her about how great a son she has. In the meantime, Carter and Mecca began to converse. It's good to see you, Mecca. How is that place that I set you up in? Carter asked, referring to the low-key apartment that he had for Mecca in Atlanta, far out of the reach of Estes and his goons. It's cool, but look, I have to tell you some shit about your girl. She's not who she seems to be. Mecca rubbed his goatee. What? Carter asked, totally taken aback by Mecca's comment. Look, man, the bitch is foul, Mecca said under his breath as he looked in Carter's eyes. Watch your mouth, fam, Carter said through clenched teeth. He put one hand in his pocket and raised a wine glass to his lips with the other. He eyed Mecca and could see the larceny in his heart. It took everything in him not to smack the shit out of him for even having Mia Moore's name in his mouth. Before Mecca could respond, Mia Moore walked up to them. She had watched their entire conversation and couldn't tell what they were saying, but Carter's body language told her that he was upset. She gently kissed him on the cheek, calming him down, and then she grabbed Mecca's hand. I never got a chance to get acquainted with you. Can I have this dance? She asked sweetly. Carter looked at her like she was crazy and thought about what Mecca had just told him. He was totally confused. The fuck is she doing? He stepped back and then watched them begin to dance. Mia Moore wasn't being disrespectful since there was distance between them while dancing, but Carter was still heated. So I guess we finally get to talk, huh? Mia Moore asked as she danced with Mecca. They both squeezed each other's hand tightly, obviously both of them trying to hurt the other. Yeah, bitch, finally, Mecca said as he kept a fake smile on his face to the front. At that moment, Mia Moore knew that Mecca knew her past and her connection with Mattia and the women that killed Breeze. You knew about Breeze getting kidnapped, didn't you? You were how they got so close and told them how to get to her, didn't you? Mecca asked. Mia Moore's nails were dug so deep into Mecca's hand, blood began to trickle. No, I had nothing to do with that, but I am going to have something to do with your murder. You killed my sister. And you're going to pay, she said between clenched teeth. They continued to dance as if they weren't having a murderous conversation. Let me tell you something. You won't get the chance to kill me. I'm a motherfucking diamond, and diamonds are forever. I got a surprise for you, murder mama, Mecca said sarcastically with a scowl on his face. And what's that? Mia Moore never showed an ounce of intimidation. She was indeed a bad bitch and a tango with the best in her field, always coming out victoriously. This dance she was doing with Mecca was nothing new. She was going to kill him, 
even if it meant she had to die in the process. You know, that glass of wine you just drank? It was full of sodium hydroxide, a poison that first invades your respiratory system and makes you feel like you're drowning right before your heart bursts and kills you. That shit is killing you right now. I say you'd have about 30 more seconds till you drop dead. You're dying, bitch. Mecca said smugly. You're dying, bitch. <laughs> uh, it's not funny, but it's funny because of the way it was written. Never mind. Is that it? Memoir asked. Now, I have a surprise for you, Mecca Diamond. Memoir stopped dancing and leaned over to whisper in Mecca's ear. I would never drink anything you give me. I'm a murder mama for a reason, nigga. I gave the drink to your mama. She dying, bitch. She muttered just before gently kissing Mecca on the cheek. Mecca instantly looked over at Taryn, who grabbed her neck as if she was choking. Her face turned bloodshot red. A small crowd began to form around her. He took off to try and help his dying mother, but just before he reached her, Dozens of FBI agents burst through the door with guns drawn. Mecca crawled over to his mother as she fell on the floor. Tears were in his eyes as he witnessed his mother struggle for air. She clawed at Mecca as her body shook rapidly. Her eyes began to roll in the back of her head, and Mecca tried to shake his mother out of it, but nothing could save her. He saw the empty wine glass next to her and knew that there was no saving her. He had put enough poison in the glass to kill ten people, but it wasn't meant for his mother. So he done killed his brother and his mom and his sister, you know, if she's dead. Damn. Help! Mecca cried like a baby as tears flowed down his eyes. He watched as Taryn took her last breath and fell limply into his arms. He closed his mother's eyelids and kissed her on the forehead. Murder was the only thing on his mind. Everybody on the ground now! The sergeant yelled. He went straight for Carter and handcuffed him. He began to read Carter his rights. Mia Moore was in shock. Carter, what's going on? What's going? Why are they arresting you? Mia Moore watched him escort her man out. Don't worry about it. Come bond me out. Nigga, if it's the FBI coming to get you, I don't think they can bond you out. I don't... I think that's different. Federal shit? As he got guided out with his hands handcuffed behind his back, he glanced across the room at Mecca, who was lying on the floor with Taryn, and he didn't know what had happened. Carter watched as Zaire and Ace were also handcuffed, and at that point, he knew someone had been snitching. They went straight for the heads of his operation, so they knew about the cartel and his chain of command. Mecca went for the gun on his waist, but stopped himself, because he knew that he couldn't retaliate at that moment with all the feds in the room. With shaking hands and a broken heart, he snuck out of the back without being seen. Carter's leather meslin shoes clicked and echoed throughout the cell as he paced back and forth. He kept wondering what they were arresting him for exactly. He figured it was in connection with his drug empire, but he was hoping otherwise. But when he saw the federal agents bring some of his workers out of Overtown Inn, along with bags and bags of cocaine, he knew the deal. They had seized the drugs from the stash spot. Damn. He knew he was in deep shit. 
How the fuck did they find out where my spots were? Carter thought as he continued to pace the room. He ran his business very precisely, and his operation was built for perfection. The only thing that could bring turmoil was snitching. That's how he knew there was a snake amongst them. He wished he could talk to Ace and Zaire, but they were all put in different cells. The cartel was about to go down, and the police had enough coat to put Carter away forever. Ace sat in the interrogation room sweating bullets. He hated himself for what he had done. Two months back, he had gotten pulled over with two kilos in the trunk. The cops found it and immediately cut him a deal. As soon as he mentioned the cartel, they knew that they had snagged the big fish. He had ratted on his own team and their leader, and for the past month, they had been putting Zaire and Carter on wiretaps, recording their conversations. Mia Moore's hand shook as she guided Carter's Range Rover out of the parking lot as she headed for the police station. She had already contacted Carter's lawyers, instructing him to meet her at the precinct. After the Fed searched everyone and took everybody's names, they let the people at the party go. Mia Moore kept visualizing the look in Mecca's face when she told him that he had poisoned his own flesh and blood. As she pulled up to a red light, without warning, a strong hand covered her mouth. She could smell an intoxicant on the rag that was suffocating her, and knew it was only a matter of time before her body lost its strength. She got a glimpse of the man's face when she looked in her rear view. It was Mecca. She was getting weaker by the second. The smell of the strong substance burned her nostrils as she began to slip in and out of consciousness. Trying to struggle against Mecca, she mistakenly put her foot on the gas and the car began to swerve wildly. She screamed as she scratched at his arms, forgetting she was driving. Mia Moore's eyes widened when she felt the car go out of control, spinning wildly and crashing violently against a brick wall on the side of the street. She couldn't help but think that this was the day she was going to die. Well, I kind of felt like that was all rushed. Um... I mean, I did like the part about uh, Mia Moore giving the poison to Taryn, even though another empty vessel just there to move the plot along. That is never going to not irritate me. I'm sorry, y'all. That's just the way it is. Um, we'll see how it plays out. You know, there's two chapters left, so we'll finish them in the next episode. 916-633-1537, RatchetAndRatchet at gmail.com, uh, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, uh, check me out on Podchaser, uh, become a patron at patreon.com backslash single simulcast, help me buy books at buy me a coffee slash sscast, um, yeah that's about it, thank y'all so much for listening, I greatly do appreciate it, y'all be good, I'm gonna holler at you later, peace. to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This 
single simulcast.